Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to a very special 90-minute episode of Being a Leader Live with Brenda Baird. Today's show is dedicated to happiness. This is the second episode in a series of shows dedicated to the topic of happiness. And what makes tonight so special for me is that I'm being joined by seven of my fellow World Happiness Summit tribe facilitators who have agreed to share their experiences from the event and to discuss the insights they learned about happiness. And plus, we're going to share with the listening audience a few of our favorite practices to help build a happier life. So I could not be more happy to introduce to you my friends and fellow coaches in energy, Amelia Kalil, Deb Degner, Heather Parks, Laurel Miller, Nancy Coble, Sabre the Coach, and Steve Hamilton. So hello, happiness coaches, and welcome to Being a Leader, live with Brenda Baird. I'm so thrilled that you could be with us on the show tonight. As we were just talking before we went live, this is the first time we've been back together since Miami, and so welcome, everybody. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Thank you. Brenda. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you, Brenda. Hey, Brenda. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so I just, we were just talking about the fact that we needed our dose of IPEC uh, energy and happiness energy, and I, I really was thinking that same thing today, that um, I could really use a, a dose of that combined collective energy that we seem to manifest when we're all together. So <laughs> I'm really happy. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I'm your host, Brenda Baird, and I'm a certified, yes, very much needed. I'm your host, Brenda Baird, a certified professional coach, and on each episode of Being a Leader, I try to focus on the key factors to being a great leader, and my personal philosophy is that we are all leaders by default somewhere in our life, either by example, or certainly we are the leaders of our own life, and that includes being a leader for our families, our friends, our community, as well as our work. So this is the passion behind this radio program, helping people become the best version of themselves. So if you're a frequent listener to the show, you know this show is live, so anything can happen. (laughs) I take callers on the air, and we would love for you to call in to ask a question, maybe of me or the panel, Or maybe you're a fellow coach who's listening and was also at the summit. We would love for you to call in and share something that was meaningful to you at the the event. Here's the number to call, 646-716-9397. Just press 1 to get in the queue, and at a break, I will call out the last four digits of your phone number, and put your mic live, and you can ask your questions. Now, if you're not able to call in, real easy, you can send a question to me at Brenda at BrendaBairdCoaching.com. So, listeners, have you ever asked yourself, am I happy? I mean, really happy. And can you even describe what true happiness even means to you and how that shows up in your life? Well, I suspect... For many, the answer is no, I, I don't think I'm happy and, or kind of know what makes me happy. I would also bet that when I ask this question, perhaps even that little critic voice 
in our head just ramped up, right? And it quickly runs down the list of the many ways you may have messed up, you can't do, will never have, can't ever do. Now, this isn't true for everyone, but for many, the small voice in our head keeps us from living the life that we want to live. We know that has to be we know that there has to be more in life, but we just don't know how to get there. Well, we're here to tell you tonight that you're not alone. And on this episode of Being a Leader, my fellow energy coaches and I want to share with you that it doesn't have to be that way. So, fellow coaches, I want to hear from you about your early thoughts uh, before we ever even got to Miami, thoughts about happiness before attending the World Happiness Summit. Um, or Wuhasu, as we called it there, which was a lot of fun. But b- before we do, I think it's probably important for our listeners that they actually know what the Happiness Summit was about. So, Laurel, would you please start us off tonight with just sort of a brief description about the World Happiness Summit? Um, Laurel Miller is a mindset transformation coach who has, she has a private coaching practice, she specializes in the female experience. And so thank you, Laurel, for being here with us. And tell us a little more about uh, Wahasu and, and what the event was for. Absolutely. Thank you, Brenda, for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, Wahasu yeah. was amazing, um, in my opinion. Um, it was just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful experience. I didn't actually know what we were getting into before we got there, but um, it was amazing, and so it was a gathering of many, many uh, key stakeholders, speakers, um, practitioners, uh, all from all different areas, um, government, society, um, in general, business and education players were there, um, local and and nationwide. So um, the World Happiness Summit, really, it, it's a movement, and being that it's a movement, it's really dedicated to increasing awareness on, the ha- um, on happiness as a life choice and as a human right and as an enabler of human development and social innovation. So basically what that means is it's just that um, the World Happiness Summit really believes that the world needs new lenses to understand growth and how humans and societies can thrive. So the World Happiness Summit brings together game changers, um, in all different areas, like I had mentioned before, I mean, it was just a wonderful experience to be surrounded by such positive energy. Um, and also the values of the World Happiness Summit really are about discovery. So being curious about your inner being and the outer world in general, um, connection, really grounding ourselves in our being and the collective, into the collective and sensing uh, the good and the bad the suffering, and the joy, so bridging people's purposes with meaning and building communities that help us prosper, uh, for gratitude, that one of their strong values is gratitude um, for who we are and how we are capable of loving without limits, and creating a continuous <clears throat> value, being, a thank- being thankful for others, for the community, and seeing their strengths and their will to live in peace. And then their fourth uh, value is compassion, understanding that we suffer um, and we can be happier together. When we bond, we create um, secure bases bases, that become a source of strength and trust. Um, It is through compassionate leadership and inclusiveness that we can maximize positive change and growth. So those are their four key values and really the higher purpose of the World Happiness Summit, and it was such a pleasure to be a part of it with all of you. Oh, thanks, Laurel. I, you know, sometimes you you sit in awe of the universe um, and how it provides 
what you need when you need it. And I think that it's uniquely a time in the entire world that we really need a movement like this to, to help people come together and to find the goodness in mankind. So for me, this, this summit had perfect timing. Um, I actually journaled um, before, during, and after the event. Um, here's what I wrote when I was on the airplane ride to, me, to Miami. I wrote that I believe that there's a tendency to use the word happy because uh, it's, it's really quite casual now to just use that word so casually, I'm happy. And I myself have even been prone to say things like, I'm happy because I'm going on vacation or I'm getting the day off of work or I purchased those new shoes or for me, ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> ice cream can make me happy. So, <laughs> However, as I was preparing for the summit, it became very clear that these external things may give me only a moment of happy and not a sustainable feeling of happiness. And so I wrote I was hoping for a change in mindset just like I had experienced with my IPEC coach training. So um, there's a lot of us on the panel, but all the mics are open. I was curious if anyone had a similar experience as I had, and perhaps, Saber, maybe you could kick us off and, and really share with us your thoughts about happiness before the event. Um, Saber is the Absolutely. founder of Saber Wave. Saber Waves Coaching International. And Saber, you are a performance coach who specializes in sports teams with individuals and businesses. So share with us, if, I, if you would, your thoughts about happiness before the event. Thank you, Brenda, for having me on the show. And uh, me too. I enjoy ice cream as much as you do and probably more. <laughs> so that makes me happy. <laughs> 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 so my, my thoughts about happiness before the summit. Uh, it's, uh, it's quite a, a big topic, and it doesn't matter how much we talk about it, it, it seems that we still have more to talk about. And before the summit, um, at least I was, to an ex- extreme extent, uh, specific in my path on how to achieve happiness. And no matter what it is, it is still a mindset, and we can create happiness. When I arrived to the to the summit, and of course that by the way, when I say that was my thought, it doesn't mean that it's not anymore. But when you get to the summit and you have the luxury of listening to 25 or 30 speakers with different experiences and different ways of approaching happiness and helping people to achieve happiness for in their lives, and you listen to uh, academic researches and speeches, there are some realities and. Uh, perspective become kind of new um, components to the formula uh, of happiness. So it is true that we all can create happiness, there is no doubt about it, but also there are certain basic components that are necessary for us to create that happiness. So my initial thought before going to the summit is definitely we can all create happiness, it is up to us and it is a choice. And I was thinking about the various components that can empower that. By going to the summit and being part of it and listening to other uh, people that spend years doing the research into the happiness field, it became more apparent to me that there are certain basic necessities that will empower somebody to achieve that happiness that they always look for in their lives. 
I'm hoping that answers mm-hmm. the question. I'm hoping I did not stay away from, from what you asked. No, no, yeah. So I think many of us would agree we all sort of went there knowing that happiness is a mindset, and we, from our training and our energy awareness, we know that you get to choose how you respond to the events in your life and how you show up in your life. And so I think it is true that um, we probably all had that same kind of awareness that, that it is a choice, but what we learn is there are certain conditions that have to be in place also for um, for some people to to find happiness as well. So in your work with uh, sports teams, I'm wondering, did you make a connection to, to, that you can share with us about how you see happiness could potentially help athletes to perform better? Certainly. Uh, I think it's easier to see happiness in what I do because you can see the results physically uh, versus you see it in organizations or within families. Uh, for athletes, mm. uh, their performance is 10 times better because when they are happy, they just, to me, the way I, I describe them, uh, you hear the angels singing when they play. Uh, and I'm, mm. I'm more inclined to, uh, to soccer players than this because of my background. Uh, so when the soccer player is happy, when they touch the ball, uh, they make the angels sing because they live with the action. They live with the ball. They live with the roaring of the um, of the people in the in the stadium. They are not disconnected from who they are and what they can be with their teams. They live the moment because that's the joy. That's the happiness to them. Their happiness is to be connected to the ball. Is to be connected to their teams. Is to be on the field. Is to strike or defend or do with it whatever they need to do as part of the team so they can feel themselves existing as an athlete. So their physical presence and their men- and their mindset or their mental presence are absolutely connected when they are 100% happy and they are 100% engaged in the moment. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's fabulous. It's an incredible thing to see uh, no matter what someone's profession is, whether that's um, – you know, a professional athlete or a nurse or or even coaches like ourselves, when someone is actually in that flow and experiencing happiness, what they can accomplish um, and how that makes them rejoice is really uh, something fabulous to be a part of. So thank you. Thank you for that. So we all Anytime. know that at the, ha- yeah, at the Happiness Summit, we were called upon um, as coaches to serve as, tribe facilitators and I shared that with a lot of my colleagues and friends and and they all smiled and said that's fantastic oh what's a tribe facilitator (laughs) so I wondered you know if someone could explain what the role of the tribe facilitator was at the event and why you think that it was so so important and perhaps Deb maybe you could answer this Um, Deb Denger is a a certified professional coach who specializes in executive and business leadership. So thanks, Deb, for coming on the call tonight. So what is a tribe facilitator, and why was it so important to the event? Well, thanks, Brenda. Uh, First of all, I just wanted to say thanks for inviting us to join you and to keep the happiness flowing. It's a really exciting opportunity. Um, You know, as Brenda mentioned, we were selected, 50 of us actually uh, from IPEC, who are IPEC certified coaches, were selected. 
And as a facilitator, and there were others selected from Wahasu to also go. I think all in all there were maybe even 100 of us. But our primary role was really to, when we broke up into uh, smaller group discussions, to lead those discussions and to help connect our tribe to the content and all the amazing material that we were learning and hearing throughout the day. And when I think about, you know, what, what I believe they were trying to accomplish by doing this, um, I think it was really twofold. Uh, Laurel mentioned, I think, the values of the Wahasu, the first ever Wahasu Summit, which were compassion, yeah. connection, discovery, and gratitude. And I really feel like our role was to really try and connect those in our tribe each day to those values, to allow them a chance to connect, to allow them to talk about what they were discovering as they were learning from the amazing speakers, and to share in gratitude for being there. And there was certainly a lot of that going on. You know, I think, too, Brenda, another thing that was really important that we tried to talk about in every session was really what are you doing, what did you learn, and then what are you doing to take those learnings beyond the summit? I think Wahasu has done a fantastic job of really talking about uh, this being more than just a three-day event. How do we keep this going? How do we share with others, both at work and at home? And so, you know, I really feel like having those conversations within our tribes was important, too. And we had some fantastic brainstorming sessions on how they could do that each day that we got together as tribes. So I think that setup worked really well. In fact, I would even say that we needed more of that connection time. There were so many speakers, you know, you just was a lot of information. But, but certainly the tribal time was, I think, very worthwhile, and it was just an honor to, to have that role at the, such an amazing event. Yeah, I, I would agree. It was, I think, one of the hinge pins to the connection value that it, it helped us to bring people together and share their experiences it's sort of like breaking bread almost when you break into yeah. those small groups. You really do get connected. And um, and how will you take it outside of these three days and these four walls? And they have done a, an absolutely fabulous um, fabulous job of doing that. And I, I know as the rest of you, um, we're in the process of still communicating over these next 18 days with participants <laughs> of the summit and helping them with, um, you know, sort of debriefing some results from an assessment we'll talk about in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I think that you're right. I, and I'm sure many of you would echo this. I think we could have used more tribe time um, and we would have had even better results. So I'm, I'm a little curious. You know, I remember when I uh, saw the uh, post on the IPEC Facebook page about um, would you be interested, fill out this application? And I know what ran through my head was like, this is something bigger, this is a big thing. This is uh, an event that for no other reason than for your own self-improvement, you need to be there. And that's really what ran through my head. And then secondarily to be able to give give back. And so I was just curious what the rest of you thought uh, when you saw that. So what prompted you all to be a tribe facilitator and to represent IPEC at this world event? So perhaps Steve um, could answer this question for us. So Dr. Steve Hamilton is a certified professional coach with 30 years experience as a psychologist. He's a retired United States, United States Air Force officer 
And Steve specializes in life, performance, and wellness coaching. And in addition to that, Steve has a master's in divinity from, from Bethel. So, Steve, really curious, why be a tribe facilitator? Uh, thank you, Brenda. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the call and to share with other listeners. I think the the thing that really struck me, just like you had when you uh, saw the the posting, is this fits so well with IPEC. IPEC's mission mm-hmm. and IPEC's whole sense of energy leadership. And with uh, Luke Iorio being part of the the uh, program there, um, I thought this was just, this was something that had to happen. And it fits so much with, with um, the uh, IPEC mission. I think yeah. for the, the, as a tribe facilitator, I think one of the things that IPEC gives is energy and that definitely that conference was really about personal energy, organizational energy, community energy, and hopefully having a ripple effect for a worldwide energy uh, impact. And Mm -hmm. so to me, I felt I have to be a part of this, and I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have been selected. But as a tribal facilitator, imagine a large room, which it was, with lots of chairs. And if you go into a large room, you can be anonymous. That is not about being a uh, – uh, you can get lost in the information. And so the facilitator's role really was to take the information from the stage and bring it to the heart of the individual. But then as a facilitator, not just the individual, but also as a group and that small group experience and hopefully have a then synergistic impact and start the ripple effect and create relationships, which fits with one of the the um, uh, uh, values of the the uh, 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 Wahasu, which was connection, and so that's what I I really gained from uh, being a facilitator and being able to make connections and create that ripple effect. Yeah. And and I like all of you. I think are, we're so honored to have that responsibility to try to hold that energy and hold it up um, for the tribe and and get it to be a ripple effect so that it just wasn't sort of absorbed and then lost. So um, it really was an honor. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, also on the panel tonight, listeners, is Aminia Khalil, and I have probably butchered your name all night, and I apologize <laughs> for that. <laughs> Aminia You're very is an close. author. Close, yeah. Uh, very close. <laughs> um, <laughs> Aminia is an author, a keynote speaker, and a certified professional coach who specializes in human relationships, changing the global mindset to harmonize home and work. So, Aminia, tell us why being a tribe facilitator was important to you. 
Uh, well, first, thank you, Brenda, so much again for inviting me. Like all of my colleagues here, you know, like I love being with my IPIC, you know, people uh, as much <laughs> yeah. as I can anytime, anytime. Um, yeah. So it was really a great privilege and an honor to be there and to serve the people there as a facilitator. One of the things that, you know, you've, you've seen that my specialization is human relationship. I call myself, I'm an interpersonal intelligence coach and consultant. Mm. So I really focus on how people communicate within themselves and without, you know, like outside their relationship with other people. So being a facilitator, it, it was sort of like coming home, you know, like to a group of people that I have no idea who they were, you know, what their background, what the way of thinking, what's their stories, and just, you know, trying to incorporate what the speakers were saying as well as the foundation principles of IPEC, as well as the values of the conference of the Wahasu. So all of this, when we incorporated that in the dialogue, it gave me such a perspective about each individual I was working with and what they were, um, their backgrounds were, you know, like there is a way of having people speak their mind and talking about certain um, things within them, even though that, you know, like maybe you didn't ask it quite a question there, but, you know, like they start talking and they start getting out certain mm -hmm. things. So the connection starts to happen. And the yeah. group itself, you know, like the cohesiveness of the group starts to happen. So the values of the conference for me as a facilitator were so much into sync with the foundation principles of IPEC. And I always like the, the one that says, you know, we're always, you know, like a teacher and a student at the same time. So yeah. I was a student. I was learning from them as they were speaking and giving me their insights about what the speakers, you know, how it felt to them, how it resonated with them. And at the same time, I was giving them my insights about that as well. So it's sort of like um, it just, it, it was just so, um, it was such an, a nourishing experience for me being a facilitator there. So I appreciate and I'm very grateful for that uh, opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. It was uh <laughs> Yeah, I just want one. Yeah, yeah. No one, one. Just thing that comes to my mind. I don't know why, but I felt like Mama Duck and her little ducklings. You know, like <laughs> going around. <laughs> <Yeah>. you <know? laughs> Absolutely. <Okay. laughs> you can yeah. almost see it, and anyone else who wants to chime in at any time, certainly you can. Um, it, within my tribe, you could almost see there were two groups. There were people who came together, and then there were people who were strangers and. Um, what I found in my tribe is as people were communicating or expressing themselves, you could almost see the reaction in the other person was of a deeper mm -hmm. understanding of another person's experience, life experience. And I, I, there's just Absolutely. such beauty in that, in expanding one's mind. Um, it's just, you know, an honor to sit front stage to to that kind of Absolutely. experience Absolutely. and, and sharing energy. So. Yeah, so thank you so much again for being here, and, and I would give my apologies oh. on the name. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's okay. You can. That's okay. <laughs> All right, thanks. So I'd also like to introduce uh, Nancy Coble. Nancy is a certified coach with 25 years' experience working with Fortune 500 companies. 
Nancy is currently a leadership development consultant and facilitator for NASA and coaches uh, professional working mothers. Nancy, thanks for joining us tonight. So when I walked into the event, the event menu that first morning, when we walked through those doors, I knew this is going to be something really special. Those big letters in the middle, middle of the room and the balloons and the trees. And so, Nancy, can you share with us what your immediate thoughts were and some of the unique things about the venue features that really sort of set the stage for us to begin the three-day journey? Sure, I would love to, Brenda, and thanks so much for having us all on. Um, this is just a wonderful, it's just great to be with everybody. It's um, it's like a happy it place. <laughs> I can feel it already. Can, can all of you feel like, oh, I'm, pumped. I'm probably not sleep tonight. <laughs> so um, I was one of the early ones, so I got up early and headed to the venue very early, like around 7-ish before it started, Um, because what they did is when we walked into the main area, it was called the Happiness Village, and it was inside um, the Ice Palace in Miami, which is an old film studio, so they set up this Happiness Village with an indoor park, which had the grassy area with the with the rocks and the park benches and the balloons, um, and it just felt very welcoming. And um, I went early so that I could partake in meditation and the yoga class prior to the full summit starting. And so it was really fun to go in there during this really peaceful time where everybody was just really getting centered and and getting into this. And then to the right, I saw the big, huge mural that said, choose happiness on it, where Lululemon um, was set up and with swings hanging down from the ceiling. So automatically, I mean, we have a park setting with swings and things to play in and we're doing yoga and um, really getting centered for the day. Um, And that was just happiness village. And so after I um, finished yoga and before our meeting for starting, um, I wandered into the main keynote area and it had chairs like normal, stage, that actually looked fun. There was a couch on the stage. It was already just, you know, in the colors. The colors were very bright and vibrant. And what struck me, too, is because normally you do not see teepees and big pillows um, surrounding, you know, at a summit or a conference. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) I thought that was great because, you know, when you're sitting, you don't always want to sit the entire time in chairs. And it gave that opportunity for others. You know, if you just wanted to lounge on these giant pillows or go hide in a teepee, you could go do that. Um, And then there was a quiet gratitude area with just comfy couches. So you could just sit there and it looked like a great place for journaling and just having some quiet time away from all the activity. Um, and, and that was just inside. Inside was very happy, very, and there was a, an area for coffee and healthy snacks also. So the people that got there early, if they needed coffee or tea or wanted coffee or tea um, before the main speakers, um, that was great. Um, outside was equally happy, so we could wander in and out as we wanted. Um, one side was where we could, um, we had lunch, so they had hammocks set up in between palm trees. So we are in Miami. Weather was perfect. Mm. Um, 
I mean, just yeah. saying that without any of the speakers is happy. <laughs> and then yeah. the other side <laughs> had um, oh, just a wonderful, really just a quiet garden space with water flowing and a little bridge with a Buddhist statue in the water um, with n- nice, comfortable couches around this green area, um, again, with palm trees. So another area to go and connect um, with um, with fellow uh, attendees at the conference um, for the World Happiness Summit. So it was not like any other summit or conference I have attended, um, you know, and then the direct dress was very comfortable, you know, so that you could really experience the summit with all your senses, not just your ears, but, you know, with sight and feeling and just really um, interactive. There was even a knitting area um, inside also. So, yeah, it was it was wonderful, just wonderful for all the yeah. senses overall. Yeah, you couldn't help but be charged up just when you walked in. You just, <laughs> as I said before, you just knew this is going to be something really special. And uh, it really did set the stage for us to click into energy coach mode and and share all of our our training. So thanks, Nancy, for, for setting the stage for us. I think if you were listening to the show tonight and you were not a part of the event, you've, you've articulated it beautifully. People can see it in their minds. So thank you for doing that. Well, last but not least, my happiness pal, Heather Parks, is here. Heather is a certified professional coach who focuses on leadership development. Heather also offers her clients Positive psychology mindfulness. So, Wahasu, Heather. <laughs> Wahasu. Yes. <laughs> so, reflect about, reflect on the summit just a little bit and all the many speakers and thought leaders and yoga masters. And what was actually running through your mind as we started to head out onto this experience? Yeah. So, I actually agree with Nancy. Um, It was not like any conference that I've ever attended. So I couldn't really even imagine what it was going to be like. What I knew was it was an important um, effort underway that I needed to be a part of. I mean, it was something bigger than myself and some um, way for me to just give back. So like Steve and others have said, I wanted connection, this opportunity to create space for everyone who was in attendance, to help them reflect and learn from what these thought leaders and yoga masters were bringing to the summit. And I have to say, just I loved every minute of being there. Um, I think as I was there, what was running through my mind was how amazing it would be to just take a fourth of the energy that was in the room there and infuse it back into the corporations that I serve I mean, it could literally be a game changer if we had leaders who could motivate and engage employees' sort of hearts and minds in the same manner that we, I think, were all inspired from being there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I, I think that's true. I, I thought of that so many times that – in fact, I think one of the speakers, um, one of the yoga masters, I think, said to us that um, we shouldn't be leading for ourselves. We should be leading for the future. 
And yeah. I agree. I don't know if you agree with that, Heather, but um, I think the point that you're trying to make is that as long as we have leadership driving organizations that are only focused on themselves and stockholder appreciation, <laughs> that we're going to continue down this road of people working and not loving their jobs and not really living their purpose and not being as productive and happy in the workplace as they can be. And when you have that, you have organizations that are not as productive and innovative and, um, yeah, I mean, and effective in everything that they do. Yeah, and I think what you saw there, too, I mean, there were a lot of speakers who work inside corporations bringing these same practices, and the notion of just the sort of simple things, being mindful of their thoughts and emotions and what that does to their team and, like, taking the time to just be present in the midst of whatever challenges they're facing, whether that's using meditation practices to create more space for innovation. I mean, I really believe just as we take this out into the world, it can be a different place to see employees more engaged which then makes corporations more profitable. Um, I've actually already started to take some of the very, very simple things back to my leaders, just exercises in try smiling at every person that you come in contact with. I mean, I feel like, and I don't know if the other coaches feel the same way, but it was almost like having a permanent smile while you were at the event. Um, and what does that what does that do to everybody around you? I mean, that simple notion of when you smile at people, they smile back. That that notion of we're we're wired for connection, and you know we know that we scan the world for things to fix or errors or threats, but if we could just look for the good things and just make a little shift in behavior, smile, make it feel welcoming it's the little things that start to make the shifts that they were talking about there. Yeah. I think it was Sean Aker who said um, it, one of his clients um, has a mission for all or mission or just a culture statement that if you get within 10 feet of someone, you give them eye contact and smile. If you get within yeah. five feet of someone, you say hello. And that's every time. Um, yep. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference in the way they deliver customer service, and, and it makes a difference in the way that the employees feel about the company and feel about themselves. And uh, that was one of the tools that I actually wrote down and and shared out right away. It's such an easy little thing to do um, yep. to share a smile. I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> and I can remember <laughs> sometimes looking at people who are smiling and and thinking, what are they so happy about, right? <laughs> and the thing is, you get to choose to be that happy. So, yeah, that's fabulous. Thank you so much, um, Heather. Thank you. <clears throat> so on our next segment uh, of the program tonight, we're going to talk about our favorite takeaways. We kind of just did that uh, from day one, but we're going to talk more in depth about the things and the insights that we carried from day one into day two. But first, if you have a story about happiness you want to share with us tonight, or if you have a comment about tonight's topic, you can call 646-716-9397. Just press 1 to get in the queue, 
and we'll take the calls as they come in. And, again, if you can't uh, call in, you can send your questions to Brenda at BrendaBairdCoaching.com. Okay, so if you're joining a little, little bit late to being a leader, tonight we're talking about happiness. And joining me are a panel of coaches from the World Happiness Summit. Aminia Khalil, Deb Digner, <coughs> excuse me, Heather Park, Laurel Miller, Saber the Coach, Nancy Coble, and Steve Hamilton. So I think I would be remiss, guys, if I didn't give a shout-out to the IPEC team tonight. I'm hoping that they're listening, and specifically to Luke Ariolo the president of IPEC. You know, Luke started us off on day one at Wahasu with a a fabulous presentation about energy. Luke explained that energy really is this concept that will fundamentally change the way we see ourselves, those around us, and the circumstances of our lives so that we can actually consciously be, be happy the IPEC group graciously offered all Wahasu participants a free Energy Leadership Index Assessment, or ELI, which is its synonym, with a debrief from a certified IPEC coach. So if there are any participants from the event listening, it is not too late. You simply need to find the email, email through the app Plasticity, you would have, if you downloaded the app, you would have had a message in there with a link that would take you to the assessment, or you would have received an email directly from IPEC. So search your spam folder, uh, maybe your deleted trash bin, and try to locate that email <clears throat> to get the link to take the assessment. And if you're having trouble and you need it, just send me an email, Brenda at Brenda Baird Coaching, and I'll be happy to send you send you the link. So. <clears throat> take the assessment, and a coach will reach out to you to schedule your debrief for your results. It's a wonderful look at how your energy shows up in your life when things are great and how it shows up when things are stressful, and, and it's free. So this is for participants of the Wahasu event. <clears throat> okay, so day one of our journey was about the foundations of happiness about caring for self, about unlocking our emotions, and about the power of intention. So what was your biggest takeaway from day one? Laurel, maybe you could kick us off with that. What was your biggest takeaway? Sure, I would love to. Um, For day one, it was really, for me, all about feelings. Um, You know, day two was all about leadership, and I I know you're going to talk about that in a little bit, and I really, that's kind of my wheelhouse, but really day one was what I needed the most, um, and I I heard a lot about feelings. Um, So when I say that, I mean it's really more about the concept of being happy um, versus getting happy. Um, and so mm. that is really what stuck, stuck out to me. Um, we constantly, I think, live in a world, um, the message was very loud and clear that we live in a world of when I get that car, when I get that job, um, then I'm going to be happy. So, you know, that concept of getting happy versus being happy. Um, so what I also took away in regards to that was part of being happiness is understanding that happiness doesn't happen in isolation of anything else. So it's the yin and the yang. It's, you know, happiness also, you know, the flip side of that can be pain or, um, 
you know, sadness in, in essentially. So it's knowing that those things cannot happen in isolation of, of anything else. Um, there's a really great quote that was um, spoken about that said the tears are still on the cheek of a baby and it, st- it starts smiling. So um, mm. to me, that was the really precious um, quote I wrote down um, from day one. It's that, you know, and going into this, I really um, liked how, Brenda, you shared what your journaling was um, prior to the event. I did the same thing, and a lot of it was reflective of how happiness in my life has come from overcoming a lot of things and working through things. So that yin and that yang, and that it's not in isolation of anything else, was really, really important. Um, I also kind of really took away that being happiness is also about understanding what you give and and um, what you give will spread and grow. So they said that there's three things that will spread and grow when you give them, which is love, happiness, and wisdom. So the more um, time, the more that you share these, the more that they will grow, um, which I thought was really, um, that really hit home. I also went over early in the morning and I did yoga um, on the first two days. And in the first day they were doing yoga and it was um there was a speaker and she said you need to build a boat to enlightenment um and then once you build that boat and you kind of cross the shore it is then your duty to take the boat back and help others build their own boat um so the Mm -hmm. shortcut to happiness is through serving others um so for me the takeaway really from day one was about being happy um settling into myself Um, and being able to really come to terms with being. Um, And then, really, the shortcut uh, shortcut is giving back um, to other people and how could I do that. So I really, you know, focused my attention on figuring out that day, um, listening to the speakers, you know, the way they do things, um, and understanding how I can then serve others with that um, and spread it. So that's what I took away from day one. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Steve, what was your biggest takeaway from day one? So the, I think the biggest thing that I took away was the uh, lecture of Tal Ben Shahir. And, I mean, he he's the Harvard professor who created the happiness course that, you know, I'm not sure how many people at Harvard are going to attend this thing. And, you know, they blew the doors off the place. And that started the career of, you know, Sean Aker and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing that that I really liked is he started with the question of the conference. What is happiness? And mm-hmm. he, he had a quote on there from Helen Keller that she said, to me, the only satisfactory de- definition of happiness is wholeness. And then then he went on to talk about, okay, so are we talking about whole person, whole being? No, we're talking about a whole being. And so from there, he he, um, kind of broke down whole being to be spiritual being, physical well-being, intellectual well-being, relational well-being, emotional well-being. And to me, that is who we are. We're not a spiritual person, a physical person, a relational person. We're, we're all those things. And so, you know, 
that's his spire, as he uh, called it, his mnemonic. And then the other thing that I really took away from from that was something that I see, you know, on a day-to-day basis as a psychologist is stress. And the way he framed it is, and this is really true, stress is not the problem. The lack of recovery is the problem. And it goes with what other of my fellow coaches have talked about is not paying attention to self. And so he see, he told that we needed to have a multi-level level of recovery. We needed to have micro, which is minutes and hours, meso, which is nights and days, and macro, weeks and months. And really, who is taking time in all of those areas to recover? You know, I can steal an hour, I can steal a night, I can grab a nap, but is that really filling up my bucket? And so um, the, the thing for me was that we really need to, to pay attention to the whole well-being, which is the spire, the spiritual, the physical, intellectual, relational, and emotional. That was, that was really a key for me. Yeah. I actually went into day one wondering, how we were going to get connected to spirituality because it really wasn't on a forefront of their marketing material, but it was in his presentation. I think that he started the conversation about our spiritual well-being, whatever that means to the person. Um, the way he described it is, it doesn't matter what you call it; it's just having that connection to source. That something that is of a right. higher purpose than us is going to be the relationship that we need that is going to give us all the other um, access to all the other places within the spire. How I really walked away from, from that. He um, is a profound speaker. I have lots of notes and lots of good information there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So I found my tribe experience on day one to be really engaging especially after a speaker like um, like Steve just talked about. So <clears throat> I'm curious, um, how did everybody else experience their tribe experiences on day one? I know mine were really open to discovery and, and willing to share a lot of thoughts. So when you think about the day one activities, what actually stood out for you? And let's start with Sabre. How how were your participants day one in the activities, the actual activities? Oh, Brenda, let me tell you. And if any other coach disagrees with me, please say it right now. I think I had the best tribe in the entire summit. <laughs> Not possible, dude. I got the best. No, I got it too. <laughs> And this is why I'm going to tell you why. So if you remember the the, uh, the first day, I think it was more about um, connection, how this connection looks like to you, and what you need to connect, and what will you do in the future to get to connect with others and connect with yourself. So in in my tribe, the reason I say it was the best tribe because it was very very mixed, as if it was intentional. Uh, I had people that were almost nine out of ten or ten out of ten felt connected. And I had other people that did not even want to speak one thing for the entire tribe exercise. 
So it was really cool going from, from one extreme to the other. What was really interesting about the conversation, about connection and how connection looks like to you, the people that are already experiencing connection and they do that on a daily basis, uh, they answer directly and they answer quickly because they know what it is, they know how connection looks like to them, and the answers are almost ready when you ask them, what would you do to connect? And you see others, they say, actually, give me just a minute to think. But what got all of them in common, they all talked about how they feel when they are really connected. And they all Mm -hmm. agreed on one thing. They all agreed that when they are truly connected, they don't feel a difference between themselves and the rest of the world. Regardless of what makes them connected, as long as they are connected, they don't feel the difference between themselves and the, and the rest of the world. So they feel connected with themselves, they feel connected with their families, with their neighbors, with their co-workers, with, with the universe. Now, I had one of the participants that actually her commitment for that goal, and I'm hoping that she's listening today, she actually is from Lulu, from Lululemon. Uh, she mm. said her goal for, for, the, for the summit to connect with 20 people every day that she did not meet before. Another interesting thing about my tribe, within the tribe itself, three members, they came from the same family. They traveled, actually, from a different country. They made it a trip, and it was a future to be or to be husband and wife and the sister-in-law. And the wife insisted that the husband or the future husband and the sister-in-law would come all together as a family so they can have that experience early on before they get married. And I believe they're getting married in, in April. Beautiful family, phenomenal tribe. I had really a blast that day. Yeah, it sounds like it. I wish I could say, Favor, that you had the best tribe. It does sound Incredible. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> I'm going to let Heather talk a little bit, and I bet you she's got something to say about that. So, Heather, what, I what think, stood yeah. out about those activities? <laughs> well, Saber, I am going to disagree. I do believe I had the best tribe. But I, I think the biggest takeaway for me was how engaged the people were in the activity. So I also had a group of Lululemon um, folks, but there were also some people who had just come by themselves, and they were very open to embracing these new people coming in that they had never met. And they wanted to communicate, and they wanted to hear what the other people had to say. So they they really were looking for ways that they could impact each other. Um, I think one of the amazing activities or exercises that happened within my tribe was when we did what we called the power of intention and to see people gather around someone who was in need for healing and place all of their focus on giving that person all that they had. And again, when I think about the work that I do um, with corporate leaders, I can, I can just imagine how powerful it really would be to have everyone come together like these, these people did united and focused on lifting up that one person at a time to take them to a higher level. So it was really, I think for me, very humbling to see it happen and then hear the results from the people who received that intention from the group that surrounded them. Um, I think just an amazing experience 
for anybody who was a part of that. Yeah, it, it was. Well, I can't even describe for myself. It was really an incredible experience. The power of eight, I think she called that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I still think I had the best prize. Agree to disagree, I guess. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So, you know, one thing that we heard from Tel Ben-Sahar, one of the things I wrote down in my journal is that the real challenge is to be functional while being happy, that we are to survive in spite of whatever is happening around us. And so when when I say that, uh, Aminia, could you share share with us what that means to you when, when you heard him say that? Um, what came to my mind when he said that was mainly the permission to be human, to accept what is happening in the world, you know, like because we live, we're, we don't live in a vacuum, so everything happens, you know, there is tears, there is, you know, like laughter, there is uh, pain, there is fear, and we want to accept that, and be functional with it, you know, like to accept that we go through those emotions. We do not suppress those emotions and try, you know, like to, um, it, it dealt also with owning our strengths and our values. You know, when you own the strengths and values, then you are able to uh, stand up in front of pain or fear or anger or whatever that comes, to, you know, like to you as a human being. So being human and accepting that, you know, and we, it's, it's like the unconditional acceptance that we talk about, that it is not, mm-hmm. you know, like just giving up and, okay, I accept it as it is and so on. No, no, it is just unconditional acceptance, which has to go deeper into, um, um, you know, like it's, it's an active acceptance, as, as he called it. So you're accepting mm-hmm. what is happening, but at the same time you're owning your strength and you're moving ahead and you're still going on in life uh, with your values and your strengths. So that, that's what it meant to me. You know, like I'm, I'm sure that uh, you know, some of my colleagues would have other meanings to it, but it, that's what it meant to me, the permission to be human, and we should not suppress yeah. any of our emotions whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. And, and also focus on, you know, like when you are in situations where, you know, like humanity happens or, you know, like certain things happen to you as a human, then again, you know, like being grateful, being, you know, acting uh, from the compassion sense, you know, like uh, activating yeah. your compassion towards other people and focusing on what is good there, you know, not just focusing on the pain that's happening. That keeps you going. Yes, that's what I was going to say. So that's that's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Oh, thank you. (laughs) That is, in my mind, that is an advanced uh, practice that I think probably I know someone like myself will have to constantly be reminding myself to both allow myself to be human, meaning don't push down the emotion, go ahead and feel the emotion but to try to find mm-hmm. something to be grateful for in the event. Um, you know, Absolutely, that's something yes. that I think for most people we're going to have to continue to remind ourselves 
And you can do that in a uh-huh. variety of ways, a post it on your bulletin board or, <laughs> you know, a note yeah. in your phone or something on your calendar. Whatever it is that helps you to remind yourself to be human, um, I think, is a really great uh-huh. uh, Great thing to try. Sure, sure, because one of the things that he mentioned also, the more you focus on what is wrong happening, the more pain that's going to happen. But if we always be grateful and we focus on the strengths and the values and what is good there and what we're grateful for, you will find that, okay, we're not suppressing the emotion, we're accepting this is happening, but we, we choose to focus on the positive to focus on you know the gratefulness that's um that's within our lives yeah nancy was there anything else about day one that stood out to you um yes besides having the best tribe um I'm going to have to close down that hole. Oh, I forgot to mention that. Actually, um, I do want to share, because the whole thing was very experiential um, in learning, and we learned so much just day one that I couldn't even imagine what was going to happen day two and day three. But day one ended (laughs) with Josh Dueck speaking. He's an ambassador with Lululemon and a professional athlete. And what really um, cemented with me was he shared, he had sustained a spinal cord injury while doing a stunt on skis, um, and it left him paralyzed from the waist down. But he shared that experience of when he did that stunt and how his gut feeling was saying, don't do it. And he overrode the gut feeling, which is our body wisdom, with his ego. And how many times do we do that? And it also got me to thinking of how much time, especially in corporate, are we in our heads and we don't go tap into our bodies and really listen and, um, and follow our body wisdom. So that one struck out to me. And then he just, just sharing his experience of how he did get back to skiing um, and getting into the Paralympics. Um, but then also recognizing that life is a journey and, and to enjoy all the moments, not just the ones where you're winning you know, and competing and going to the next thing, but to really be present in the moment and to really, um, really, and, and he, he took that, it took a while for him to get there, but that amazing journey of life. So those two key things, and it was a great day, way to end the day um, for me, but you guys covered so many great things that happened day one, and there is so yeah. much that we all took in. So, um so that's yeah. what it I was wanted a, to share. It was, a jam, yeah. it was a jam-packed day, and I thought the same thing. Wow, this is a lot for one day. If tomorrow's like this, <laughs> we're going to just, but it really was invigorating, I have to say. Well, you guys, we have actually an email that has come in from um, a young woman named Maria in California. I don't know why I said young woman. I have no idea how old she is. Her name is Maria, and she's <laughs> just an assumption. Um, uh, Maria from California. So Maria writes, I want to be happier. What do I need to do? <laughs> That's all she wrote. So who would like to take that question? Anybody want to hey, volunteer? Brenda? Yeah. Sure. Okay, Saber. And uh, you, you said it's an email, so she's not on the line, right? 
I'm not sure. Sometimes people who are listening and they um, they don't have access to or feel like they want to talk will send me an email. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming they're listening. Um, so I do make okay. that assumption. Uh, okay, good. I will uh, I will go with that assumption. And Maria, if you're listening to us and you wanted to uh, to come online, please come in so we can have a more probably uh, suited answer for you. But the first thing I would do, uh, if I were you, Maria, what, what I would do to get happier, I would have a a good and honest assessment to where I am today. How happy am I today? And the reason I'm asking this question because they don't have a chance to talk to you. So there are a lot of assumptions, and that doesn't uh, that doesn't help me give you a uh, hopefully a good answer or help you get a good answer. So the first thing I would start with is. How happy am I today? And we can choose a scale from 1 to 10. 1 being not happy at all, 10 being extremely happy, being at the top of the happiness scale. So first, how happy am I today? Then the next question would be, how happier would I want to be? Because that was your question. At least that way we know where you want to be to get happier. Once you know where you want to be, we can determine the things that could be done so you can achieve that level of happiness. I'm hoping this helps. I can't tell you all the other things about reading the books and doing the meditation and being in the moment and all those things. But if we don't know where we are and where we, don't, where we want to be, we will be doing everything and spinning in the same circle. So I'm hoping that helps. And if you're on the line, I'm happy to talk to you more. Uh, this is Steve. Beautiful. And- Thank you. Hey, Steve. This is Stephen. So I would add uh, one more thing that, you know, aside from the assessments, one of the things you can start to do is to start to change your mindset. And the, one of the things that Sean Aker talked about was the focus on gratitude. What are you grateful for? If, because there are a lot of things that we can get stuck in, but when we get stuck in stuff, we also lose focus on the things that are really positive in our life. And so the, the real key, one of the key things is that you can do is find three gratitudes, three great things you are grateful for in a day. And there, there are many ways to do that. You can, you know, do it in the morning, first thing that you're great, three things you're grateful for. At the end of the day, the day what other things, um, you know, came into your day. But that starts to change your mindset. It starts to change your perspective. So that's my two cents. And, Steve, it's uh, Deb Dagner. If I could add to that, I would love to just – because I was thinking the same thing, and I think the, the thing tagging on to the Sean Aker book – that has been so fascinating to me. I, <laughs> I am a neuroscience geek, and I've learned so much from lots of the speakers and certainly from his book and others. But um, really understanding that, to your point, we actually create in our brain neural pathways that can be focused on negative, and we can be attracting our thoughts down a negative pathway on a very regular basis. And so we actually have to retrain our brains to look toward the positive through things like gratitude. So this is not just something, these are not just thoughts and feelings, these are actual chemistries and and neural pathways that we create in our brain that we have to shift by all these different things that have been mentioned. So I just wanted to tag on there. Can I add something also? One more more little little addition. Yes, for sure. Um, (laughs) 
uh, also watch out for the words that you are using. You know, sometimes we use words over and over, we cycle, recycle the same words over and over. If we say, you know, like, oh, life is difficult or this is, uh, I cannot do this, this is hard. So instead of saying difficult and hard, we can say, oh, this is an opportunity for me to learn something here. So it's, it's the words. Words have so much energy within them. So we want to watch out what kind of words are you using and maybe make a list one side of the list would have the words that you use. And on the other side, you can say, okay, what, what sub, I can substitute those words for that would give me the energy to move forward and, you know, be happier. That's my addition. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Anyone else that want to share anything else with Maria? <clears throat> well, Maria, Maria, I that think was what you have just press. <laughs> Yes, it was. <laughs> You just had advice, um, coaching, wisdom, <laughs> happiness shared with some of the leading coaching experts in the nation. So, Maria, I hope that does have help you. Um, I'll be checking my email later if you can send us a follow-up. I'd love to be able to share back with the coaches um, how that made you feel and what pieces of it you think you might try to incorporate in your life. So best wishes to you, Maria. So, you know, I really think happiness actually starts with a capital H when we're talking about the kind of happiness we're talking about tonight. It's that profound sense of well-being that is within you all the time. It's easy to read a book. It's easy to listen to this podcast. But it's a little more difficult to put those things into practice. And one of the things that I walked away with day one was um, the message that the line between ego and source and for me, I call source God, needs to fade because that's where we will find true happiness with a capital H. And this is where we mm-hmm. find our higher purpose, and this is where we realize the energy from the universe and realize that within each one of us is this energy, and we truly are all connected. I don't think I really understood that, even though I said it. <laughs> you know, I I knew it had to be true, but it I really walked away from day one with a real understanding of the line between ego and source and how that really has to fade away um, so that you can be truly connected. So that was just day one. Can you believe that, listeners? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Day two. (laughs) Day two focused on leadership. And like Heather and Laurel and Deb and many others, that's our wheelhouse. We love leadership. And the big speaker was Sean Aker, I was absolutely starstruck. I don't know about the rest of you. Got my photograph taken with Sean. It hangs in my office. <laughs> but you know, Same he here. gave us yeah. this definition. <laughs> he actually gave us a definition, his definition of happiness, which was a little bit different than than tells. And he offered us uh, a couple of challenges and exercises around around gratitude. So, Steve, when you think back of Sean's presentation. What what most impressed you about his beliefs around happiness? Um, I mean, I love Sean. I've I've read his book. It's highly underlined uh, the happiness <laughs> advantage, and then before happiness, uh, I was just I, I too was starstruck. Um, I got a picture though with his better half, <laughs> oh. the prettier half. So uh, <laughs> that was three. 
Um, but the thing that really struck me is that that I really liked was the the focus on um, small changes have big results. And you know, to the the email question that we had just a little bit earlier is how powerful gratitude is. I went in there thinking, yeah, yeah, and I've pres- you know I've prescribed do the gratitude journal and so on and so forth, but. I mean, the thing that one of the things that I took away from from his talk was really small changes have just and you talk about the ripple effect, exponential ripples in terms of the impact it can have on you, the individual, your family, your work center, your corporation, and et cetera. I mean, which really kind of fit with Wahasu. So, um, you know. The, the things that, you know, the, the gratitude journal, the um, uh, focusing, doing something, and the other thing this was, doing something consistently, not yeah. doing it just one day, but doing it consistently for 21 days, 30 days. A small thing, one small thing can have an exponential ripple effect. So if you were to do a gratitude, three gratitudes for 21 days and journal it, how your life would be different. That That's really kind of one of the biggest things that I uh, took away from him and the fact that he speaks really fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you cannot lose your concentration or you're going to miss a whole bunch of wisdom, that's for sure. <laughs> so, so, Laurel, what about you? What did you take from Sean's work? that you're trying to incorporate into your daily routine. Yeah, I uh, have to say I was starstruck as well. I actually almost gave him Tao's book to sign, so that's how starstruck <laughs> I was. I just thought I'd share that. Um, so, there I anyway, went with that, um, Laurel. You did, right? I was yeah. like, oh, no, that would have been so embarrassing. Um, so anyway, uh, just thought I'd humor you all. Um, So Sean's definition was uh, happiness is the joy you feel while reaching for your potential. Um, And I have to say um, that really resonates with me um, because I've always kind of been searching, right, searching, searching, searching. And his message really was about the journey. Um, I think that's what I touched on earlier too. Um, You can see what I've taken away really big from this um, summit. But um, he also said – that the opposite of happiness is not sadness, but apathy. So apathy Mm. being the lack of interest, um, enthusiasm, concern. So many times when I work with um, my clients one-on-one, they get to this place of just complete stuck, right, complete apathy. Um, They really just don't know what else to do. Um, They've kind of hit a wall. Um, And really I thought it was just so interesting to hear that the opposite of happiness is not what we always think it is, being sadness, because you need sadness in order to experience happiness. But it's just that place of getting so stuck, getting so comfortable in where you are in your life that you're just no longer growing. You're no, no, no longer really striving to, um, to thrive. So uh, that really hit home with me. Um, and what I'm doing, I actually also, aside from my coaching practice, I run an um, employee development team for a nonprofit. Um, and we all know kind of, I, I think we know, in the nonprofit world it can be very um, – Stressful. There can be a ton of stress um, because there's deadlines and there's budgets and there's all sorts of things. Um, and I support um, the the company supports 
individuals with intellectual disabilities. So there's just a ton of just fear-based decisions and, and, you know, really, really because we want the best for our consumers. So that being said, I am trying to make very small changes to help the culture. I'm watching the culture really starting to shift and change um, to focus on the employee because we need to support employees. I think it's really important, and I know Heather had touched on this, to start to infuse in the corporate mindset that we employees, we have to look at them as a whole person um, versus just an employee. Um, because if we can do that, they will then support um, the bigger mission of, of the businesses. So with that, I really started to incorporate um, what Sean, in Sean's work, he said, send a two-minute uh, spend two minutes a day writing a praise email um, to someone, anyone, just random, and challenge yourself to do that. So I've been doing that. Um, and also um, I stand at meetings every single morning with my whole team 15 minutes before our shift starts, and we all talk about what we're grateful for. Um, so it's just a huge energy shift, uh, mindset shift, and it's very small. Um, so exactly what Steve said, it's not about the big – I used to have this mindset of going in and being the hero, right, um, and changing the world and realizing that it really is just small. It's small things every single day that will make the biggest effect um, in corporations, in, in life in general. So uh, that's what I took away from Sean. Mm, that's awesome. So <clears> – <throat> The name, um, the company name Lululemon was mentioned earlier, and what I'm remembering is um, the panel that <clears throat> Sean led. Um, I think it was Sean led. Maybe it was Michelle. I can't remember now. Um, no, it was Sean. Panel, Sean, okay, with Lululemon and his group. And, wow, the CEO is cutting edge, creating a culture of mindful performance and supporting his employees to embrace life really life of happiness. So, Aminia, what impressed you about that panel discussion and around the culture of Lululemon? Uh, well, mainly about the culture of Lululemon, the support that they give their employees. It's amazing. I had, uh, you know, like the, the honor to work with a couple of tribes that mainly were Lululemon employees. And the the gratefulness and the appreciation that each one of them expressed uh, f working for Lululemon is amazing. Uh, like, for example, one, one young lady that she entered the company and she was working on, you know, at a certain position, but then she found that she was not happy in that position. What happened is that, you know, the culture, you know, supported her to find her passion and to work in the position of her, you know, where she can evolve and grow. So where can you find, a, you know, a company that would support their employees to do that? You know, so this young lady, instead of being in a position that she did not like and she did not, you know, um, feel that she was really expressing her creativity and so on, now she's in a position where she can express her creativity and actually reach, you know, like their, their as we call it, you know, level seven genius mind, where she can be really creative and bring out the best um, ideas, you know, to serve the company. So something like this, you know, I wish that every company would adapt this culture, to tell you the truth, <laughs> because um, yeah. what I've seen in those employees, what I've seen in those young people, and if, you know, like, I don't know if, if any of you had um, older employees of Lululemon, but most of the ones that I worked with were, were younger, you know, like in their 20s and 30s. So 
mm-hmm. um, by by also giving them chances to do the meditation, the yoga, you know, like all kinds of different things that gets them into um, the creative mindset. That's really mm-hmm. that is really amazing. That is a wonderful edge, you know, to other companies. Yeah, so I think this it is, could this be is, This is my edge. main point. It it okay. does it does it could be a competitive edge, and again, if they would even teach their culture, you know, as an academic mm-hmm. course, and that's you know like in the business school when I was in a business in the business school here at Michigan State University, you know, like we were taught certain things about different culture the the cultures of different companies, and of course, you know, we would have Disney as one of our examples and so on. So if Lululemon is also being taught at the university level and teaching even young generations coming out of the business school, this is the way that to do business in, um, you know, like to have a mindful um, performance, you know, like or a mindful uh, culture to get their yeah. employees, you know, to reach that genius mind. That would be wonderful. Yeah. That would be really yeah. a step forward in the business world. Yes, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, day three was about broadcasting happiness. And Michelle Gillian, Gillian, I'm terrible with names tonight. For those of you who don't know her, she is Sean Aker's wife. Um, Steve had his photograph taken with her. And she is a former <laughs> CBS news anchor turned researcher and author. And <laughs> Michelle gave a powerful presentation Um, She says we're all broadcasters. Everything we broadcast either builds something up or tears something down. And her question to us was, what do you want to broadcast? So, Heather, what was your reaction to her presentation? Yeah, so first of all, her and Sean together, power power couple, creating all kinds of happiness in this world. (laughs) Uh, She was she was definitely one of my, probably one of my favorite um, presenters um, behind Sean. So, but she really, I mean, she had a huge impact on me. It's so impressive to listen to her speak about making a conscious choice to be happy, leaving that job at, at CBS as the news anchor um, to make sure that the platform in which she speaks was not necessarily one of fear, but one that, brought hope to people. So, again, doing a lot of this work around corporate cultures, what you want what you want to be versus what it is, this concept that she brought forward is really, really important. And I actually, again, took one thing back from her immediately um, and sent it out as a challenge to my group, and it was really asking that very question. So, what she was saying to us is we're always on stage, we're always broadcasting a message. Um, and, and I really went back to my leaders and said, what do you want that message to be? Because that message impacts the people that we come in contact with every day. So are you spreading positivity? And I, and I really challenged them to look beyond the events of their days and just infuse a little bit of happiness into um, the message because it has such a ripple effect. So she spoke a lot around um, it not only being what you say, but also your nonverbal cues. So when you are in that corporate environment, one of the things that commonly comes up is how do I build trust 
amongst my team, and it really does all start with our broadcast, so exactly what she was saying. What are we mm-hmm. saying? What is our body language saying? Um, but I really think one of the fascinating research points that she brought up um, was around recognizing people and doing it in such a way that other people hear it. Um, and what does that do? So she, she was talking about a 21-day experiment and how it actually raised productivity 31%, all because this leader took the time to recognize someone in front of other people and the ripple effect started to happen through the team. So really amazing um, presentation. Highly recommend Broadcasting Happiness. Um, I purchased it while I was there after hearing her speak, and I'm almost all the way through with thousands of ideas running through my head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was. she was really inspiring. (coughs) Excuse me. We also heard from another um, journalist, and his name is Ishmael Kala. He was a former CNN uh, Mexico, from Mexico, whatever they call that, news journalist. He's a motivational speaker today and an author, and he told us his personal story just as Michelle did, and it was really, really inspiring. But what struck me was something that he said during his presentation. I don't know if it was uh, something spontaneous. He said it in a fairly uh, quiet voice from the other things he was saying, but I don't know if any of you caught this, but he said the news actually created anxiety, depression, fear, uncertainty, and separation from source. But then he says, but maybe we shouldn't leave these places because we leave that space to those who think that way. To broadcast happiness and change the process from within. So, Deb, what's your reaction when I say that? Well, I think that's, Brenda, it resonates with me, absolutely. I think that that's just taking ownership of, you know, and his story was so profound just to see the circumstances that he grew up in and the story and his choice to not be stereotyped into a depressed life, um, you know, because he was diagnosed, and I think it was a suicide of one of his parents, and it could have easily ended and, and it cast him into this very negative frame of mind in life, and he just chose to do otherwise. So I think just owning that um, it's a choice and how you show up, and him, him sharing that message with it completely resonated with me. I thought he was a very powerful speaker, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Nancy, what about you? What are your What's your reaction to that when we're in these toxic situations that maybe we shouldn't leave them? Maybe we should stay there and change from within. Well, yeah, I think we have to be realistic about what's going on. Um, But we can actually take and broadcast and actually shift the energy in those situations, but recognize that we're there um, and what's going on because we don't want to ignore it. Sometimes we have to go into it to shift it and change it and have an influence on those around us. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a very profound, a profound statement. And he certainly came from an environment where there was a lot of, a lot of trouble and a lot of pain. And, uh, and it was, it was phenomenal as a young boy when he was able to pull, pull himself Mm -hmm. out of Well, I tell you, I think we could probably be on the air for another couple of hours talking about <laughs> all of the things that we have not talked about so far tonight. But we only have five minutes left to this broadcast. So um, 
I'd like to end it on a high note, if we could. And um, so many great ideas, so many great tools were shared with us for building a happier life. Could we just take a real quick uh, round the virtual table for each of you to just share with us what your favorite happiness tool was from the summit and um, and what you liked about it? Something real quick. Let's start with I, I can Brenda, I'll go for it. Oral. Yeah, I'll do it this way. How about I'll start from our how you logged in tonight. So, Laurel, I'll take you. All right, awesome. Um, just quickly, uh, touching on another um, thing of Michelle Gill, and I was a huge fan before I actually even knew she was speaking at the summit. Um, she has this concept of spotlighting the right. Um, so I introduced that at the nonprofit that I work for um, where we focus on all the things that everybody's doing wrong. Um, so, again, just shifting that mindset to focusing on what are people doing right and what influence does that have when you broadcast what people are doing right um, and how influential that is to everybody else to sort of shift their behaviors. Um, and it, it just is a very natural ripple effect. So um, I'm putting out a newsletter uh, monthly spotlighting the right of what everybody's doing right. So that's my one takeaway that I love. Mm. Fantastic. Saber, how about you? Favorite tool? How about me? Uh, the one thing, honestly, that resonated with me in the summit is one sentence. Leisure creates happiness. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> Deb? Yes. Mine, I think, Brenda, is that happiness begets success. And what we tend to think is that success, when we become successful, we'll become happy. And the opposite, and this is from Sean Aker, is actually the truth. Mm. Amen. Steve, how about you? Um, I, the biggest takeaway for me was the most powerful um, uh, the most powerful thing for happiness is your social network. And so to develop your social network, not to live in isolation and not to get a brain cramp or a neck cramp by, you know, just logging into your cell phone, but actually talking to the people who are standing right next to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about it? <laughs> Heather. Yeah, I'm actually going to go back to broadcasting happiness and say I am so much so much more aware of the message that I send on a daily basis. Now, she has a great tool um, called the Success Scale Survey. It's a free survey that she puts out there so you can see for yourself where you are um, in your happiness and how, the, and how you engage the world. So, yeah, really the message and the platform that I now have to speaking to, to people around the world. Fabulous. Amelia. I yeah. um, I have two points, if you don't mind. Quickly, quickly. Sure. One of them mm -hmm. is one thing that Erin uh, Sheriff in her speech about uh, mindful eating and how she connected the inner functions of the mm. body with the outer sources that we put into it and how, you know, mm. like that affects the whole planet and the whole world around us. So the connection between what's inside us and what's outside us, again, is, was profound for me. You know, talking from the eating point of view, the food, food point of view. Uh, the other mm -hmm. one was, you know, like uh, Salman Shahir, 
his his word about you know like simplifying we have we we can simplify things in our lives we don't have to make it such big huge issues that we cannot handle you know but simplifying is one concept that is amazingly simple <laughs> to adapt and to just remind ourselves with it yeah those are my two points absolutely thank you <laughs> thank you Nancy wrap us up here yeah all right, I'll wrap you up with the one thing I loved was avoiding misery poker. So when um, so leading, <laughs> so you know when you greet somebody in the morning, how's it going, or you go into the office, and it tends to go negative, right? And then it spirals down. But we have the power to actually avoid that spiraling down by actually leading it into more of that positive um, place. So leading the conversations into a positive happy, how are things going way. And I played with that this week, and it was a blast because I was able to shift energy up as opposed to misery poker that we see happen all the time. That's right. Yeah. Well, Wahasu is, is the event is over, but it is just the beginning of something bigger than I think any of us imagined. We learned that gratitude is a key factor to happiness. We learned relationship is the leading indicator of happiness, relationship to source, self, others in the world. And the most powerful message of all is that happiness is a human right. We get to choose it, Mm -hmm. and we should share it. And so the final roundtable question I have for all of you, we're we're just going to run over, um, is (laughs) did attending the summit leave you feeling happy? and why. So we'll start with uh, Steve. Did attending the summit leave you happy, and why? Uh, yes, it did. And being with the uh, uh, IPEC group, the energetic group, the energe- Energized Bunnies, uh, it was <laughs> fabulous. Uh, yeah. And just the information. I mean, it, it, it hit me from top to bottom, inside out. Yeah, fantastic. Saber, how about you? I am always happy, and it left me happier. I uh, love the event, and uh, <laughs> I think I, I, I hope that you guys met one of the participants. There was a young lady in the summit that had a uh, something on top of her head. I don't know what to call it, but it looked like a, a scarf, and she was covering her head with it. It was kind of fashion uh, statement uh, that Sean Akers uh, talked about her to somebody else, and he said he believes that she is the happiest person in the summit. I'm hoping that you met her. She is a, a bundle of happiness, and she was really a powerful impact to be into the rest of the tribe. Saber, oh, she was in my tribe. She was in my tribe. You are my tribe. <laughs> so, Deb, how about you? Did you go to the summit and leave feeling happy? Oh, 100%, Brenda. I mean, how could you not? The people, the setting was so phenomenal. It was completely relaxing. The coaches, the content was just, I mean, I'm with you guys. Meeting Sean Aker was just my dream. I met his sister. She also spoke there. So it was just incredible information, um, and I just, I can't wait to keep passing along to clients and friends and my family. So it was incredible. And quite frankly, yeah. just getting to know each of you guys was a really just special, special moment for me. Yep, yep. Me too, me too. Nancy, how about you? Did you, did you leave feeling happier? 
Oh, gosh, yes. Um, I wrote a couple things in my journal on International Happiness Day, which was Monday. And one of them was, it's going to take a while to wipe the smile off of my face. Um, yeah. Together it says. <laughs> so, that kind of says it all. Hope, love, peace, joy. Um, together is better. So, yeah, just being with everybody. And everybody was so, yeah, just being around that much energy of a thousand plus people in that vibration all weekend. Yeah, it lasted. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It, it fed into my children. We were like singing <laughs> down. Yeah. <laughs> Dancing on the screen. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Laurel, how about you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I echo everybody else. Um, just being in that environment was wonderful. And I really feel like what it did for me is it gave me a new lens of, on happiness. So now I am just experiencing every, every day um, with a new lens on how I can be it and how I can serve happiness. So, yes, um, and that's how I'm, I'm just carrying it through day by day. Yeah, wonderful. Heather? Yeah, I mean, I think for me it's, it, was like an energetic high that just doesn't doesn't seem to go away. So, yeah, I left happy. I feel like I went in with an intention to have connection, and I walked out with bonds with people that I had never met before that I think will be with me probably for the rest of my life. So, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Amenia. Um, yeah, definitely. Of course, you know, I call myself I'm a growth um, growth freak. <laughs> you know, I love I love growth. <laughs> I love to learn. I love to, you know, expand my my relationships. I love to connect with people. So being in that environment, learning so much from the speakers, and attending, you know, like both parallel sessions, you know, like the academic part and the um, the regular summit, it was an amazing growth spurt for me. <laughs> And at the same time, you know, like I was able to connect with people and, um, you know, like even after I came back, you know, helping people with certain of the tools and concepts that I've learned from there. It was amazing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Fantastic. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining me tonight. I am grateful to have you in my life and to have you share this fantastic experience of the, the first World Happiness Summit um, any other thoughts mm. that we didn't cover that you feel are absolutely necessary before we sign off? Brilliant, amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you <laughs> for sharing this message out. <laughs> yep. Yep. Thank yeah, you, we Linda. are very grateful. We are very grateful that you gave us this opportunity to really, you know, like remember this whole thing, living through it again, <laughs> and just, you know, yeah. like walking through every step every day. Thank you, Brenda, so much. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And I, I hope, hope our listeners will, will learn. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I don't think there's any way they couldn't. And I hope that you all will be regular contributors to the show. That would really make my day. So here's my final thought. I hope tonight's show inspires everyone, the people on the panel, the people who are listening, the people who are going to listen to this recording, because this show will actually be archived and available on iTunes about 20 minutes after the show closes. I hope that you get inspired to discover that the pursuit of happiness is within your reach. And if we pour our best self into our spiritual practice, our family, our community, and our meaningful work, and choose happiness, 
we will be happy. So share your happiness. Strive to make happiness a blessing that is accessible to all people. Engage life and the world with an open heart and follow the energy to move consciously into being happy and making a happier world. Energy matters. Energy matters in how we show up in the world. So thank you for listening. I look forward to being with you on the next episode of Being a Leader Live with Brenda Baird, which will air on April 11th right here on the Life Coach Radio Network. And with that, that's a wrap, Tommy. So, panel, thank you. Be safe and have fun. And bye-bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.